Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We have entered into the Christmas season, and today Pastor CJ starts his new series called It's Your Birthday. Have you ever considered that your family is a present from God? Today's message is called The Present of Family. There will always be challenges in families, but you need your family and they need you. We hope you enjoy this message. And how many know that on your birthday, you get certain gifts and you get excited for your birthday because you get the gifts and it's your special day. You get recognized, you get honored, you get blessed, you get cards, you get money, you get presents. And you know, just like that video said, they last for a short period of time, right? They last for a short period of time. My kids, uh, my daughter and my son, my oldest son, they were born on the same day. And that day that they were born was December 30th. And because it was December 30th, what happened was they would always get the Christmas clearance gifts. Amen? How many can relate to what I'm talking about? Maybe some of you are like last-minute Christmas shoppers. You wait till after Christmas, then you do your shopping. And the reason why you do that is why? Because they're 50% off or even 75% off. And if you go buy Christmas ornaments, usually if you go to Walmart, they're 75% off and better. So you always wait till after Christmas. Well, because my kids were born on December 30th, my middle son would always get mad. He'd get mad as that, Dad, why is it that Heidi and Rick always seem to get the best gifts? I always get the middle, small, little gifts. But when it comes to them and their birthdays, they get big gifts. And the reason why is because people would go out and buy these 75% off gifts, and they were able to look big and bad, like, look what I brought for you, man. I brought you this big truck. You know, and my kids, man, they loved it. But so what we had to do is when they got older, we couldn't celebrate on December 30th anymore because they wanted to have their own days, right? They wanted to have their own days. So what we would do is we'd kind of mix it up. And so maybe, for instance, what we would do, we'd do Heidi instead of doing it December 30th, we would do hers on July. And I'll never forget when we changed the data. She didn't like it. And the reason why she didn't like it, she said, Dad, go back to the 30th. I said, why is that? Because the gifts are smaller. <laughs> and, uh, but you know what, today, I want to talk to you today about the gifts. We have gifts that are temporary gifts, and we have gifts that are eternal, that last forever. Gifts that are not just temporary, that's going to last even as, a, as the video said, eight seconds. And that gift is the gift of the present of family. The present of family. My, uh, my son, when he was playing basketball, my son Rick, he always wanted to have a tattoo. And I'm not against tattoos. As a matter of fact, I'd get one if I wasn't afraid of needles. I am so paranoid Floyd of needles that if I see it, I'd be on the floor. A lot of people say, no, it's addicting. That's why they keep getting them one after another after another because of the sensation from the needle. But believe me, if I see a little needle... I'm on the floor, amen? So my son, he said, he said, Dad, he said, while he was in high school, he said, Dad, can I, uh, can I get a tattoo? And I said, son, I said, I don't have a problem with you getting a tattoo, but I said, can you wait until you graduate from high school? I said, because sometimes that gives you an image, especially when you're trying to get a scholarship and we're in a, a, a community where, you know, uh, you know, we're, you know, like supposed to have a reputation. And so I said, son, why, can you just wait till after you graduate? And he said, okay, Dad, I'll respect that. I'll, I'll honor that. And so he did. And so after graduation, he got all his graduation money and his cards and so on. He said, Dad, he said, I have enough money now to buy or get a tattoo. He said, can I go get it? I said, absolutely. I, I told you you could. You waited. You respected me. I said, absolutely. Go get it. So he went and got this tattoo. And, and Ethan, I didn't know what the tattoo was going to be. I really didn't. He didn't tell us, Chris, what it was going to be. He didn't tell, tell, tell me uh, what was going to happen. So he went and got the tattoo, and he came 
back, and I was all excited to see this tattoo. And I'm like, Rick, let me see your tattoo. No, Dad, you can't see it. I said, what do you mean? It was all bandaged, and I guess you got, you know, your tattoo. It's got all bumps on it from the tattoo, and, you know, they're brazen where, the, where it was. So he wouldn't show it to me. And I said, well, Rick, I want to see it. No, Dad, you got to keep the bandage on it. You got to keep it bandaged on it. So I said, okay. So eventually, after a few days went by, Rick pulled the, tat the, the bandage off, and he yells to me. He said, Dad, do you want to see my tattoo? I said, yeah, let me see it. He said, well, come here. I'll show it to you. So he had on his right shoulder, he put a tattoo on his shoulder, and it blew me away, and it, it really got me emotional, Jeremiah. It really did, uh, because after I read the tattoo, and this tattoo, you would think it would have been something like maybe a Superman uh, thing or a symbol or, or whatever, a, you know, uh, whatever heroes that you like. But no, you know what it was? It was a tattoo that says blood is thicker than water. And I thought, Rick, why did you put that on your shoulder? Why did you put blood is thicker than water? He said, because, Dad, he says, it was you and Mom, it was Heidi and CJ that encouraged me through high school to make it through high school. It was you and Mom that stood by me when I was in my ups and downs in high school, when I was going through my lows, when I, you know, was, man, having a struggle with basketball, having a struggle with friends. It was you and Mom that stayed by me, and it was my family. And so he said, I wanted to represent my family to say thank you, Mom and Dad, that blood is thicker than water. And, you know, sometimes we, we take for granted our family, and we take those things for granted. I remember when I... Uh, would go home from North Central Bible College. Now it's called North Central University. And I had uh, six sisters and a brother. And uh, when I'd go home, I'd go home real periodically. I couldn't go home on a regular basis because either I was playing basketball or I traveled for the school and I spoke for the school and, and went all over the different places and spoke and represented the school and was one of their students that would represent the school to try to recruit students to come. And so I didn't have a lot of time to really go home during the course of the year. But when I did go home, I would call my mom. And I'd say, Mom, I'm coming home. I'm going to be there tonight and so on and so forth. And so my mom would call all my brother, my brother and my six sisters. And, you know, lo and behold, as soon as I got in the driveway, I mean, they see my lights flashing or whatever. I don't know, whatever. But as soon as I got in the driveway, it never failed. All my six sisters and my brother and my mom would run outside and greet me. And we're a really huggy, touchy, lovey family. And we kiss, man. We, we, even I kiss my, list, my sisters on the lips, not my brother. But uh, we, 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 uh, we were that kind of a family. And it, it made me feel honored because my family was there, and they supported me, and they welcomed me. Like, hey, CJ, it's great to see you, man. It's great to have you home. Man, CJ, how you doing? And we just reminisced, and we talked about things that, man, it was so awesome that we were able to reconnect again and be together as a family. But you know what? Don't ever take your family time for granted or miss the opportunity to be with them when you can. You know, holidays right now, Christmas season, Thanksgiving season, these are times, I pray, that we make the most of the opportunities to get together. Colossians says, be wise in the way you act and make the most of every opportunity. In other words, in other words, seize the moment that is at hand for you to be with your family. Don't be the one that's going to miss the event. Do everything you can to get together with your family. Don't make excuses not to be with your family, but make it that you get with your family because I'm going to tell you something. Time passes when you're not going to have these moments any longer.
My mom and my father passed on already. They were passed on. They went to be with the Lord. I led my father to the Lord three years prior to his passing away. So I know he's with he in heaven with Jesus. My mom, I know she's with Jesus, and I know that I'm going to meet them again. But my mother was the glue. My mother was the glue that held the six sisters and my brother and I together. And I mean to tell you, we never missed the moment. But you know what? I miss those moments now. Because you know why? When we go home for Christmas now, it's not the same. It's not the same. I go to Christmas or go to my family's house in Kenosha and meet with my sisters and my brother. They, we celebrate at Christmas Eve. But you know what happens to Cheryl and I at Christmas Day? We're traveling back here because they're celebrating with their immediate family. And so we're left out in the cold, whereas before we would be with my mom. And I miss those moments that I had with my mom and with my, had with my dad. And I even miss the moments now that I had with my little sister because now she's gone on to be with the Lord. And I look about those times and I said, you know what? Growing up, I sometimes took those moments for granted. I sometimes just took those moments that mom and dad, they're invincible. They're always going to be here. But you know what? They're not. And because of that, I missed those moments that I could have seized and made the most of every opportunity. And there's sometimes in my life, I have to be honest with you, there are sometimes, Randy, in my life that I have regrets. And here's some of the regrets that I have growing up as being a young man or going to college. I regret sometimes when I blew my mom off or my dad off when they invited me to come over when I should have. I regret sometimes when my father-in-law and mother-in-law asked me to come over to their house and play rook with them, and I had made excuses and didn't take the opportunity. I regret those moments because now my mother-in-law is gone, and my father-in-law is very sick, and we can't do those moments anymore. I'm here to tell you today, the holiday seasons is a time, number one, the greatest gift other than Jesus Christ, the greatest gift other than Jesus Christ truly is your family. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, obviously, I was the middle child, and my sisters are a lot of them were older than me. But as they began to get married, my sister Rhonda got married, and she got married when she got married to Dennis, and then all of a sudden they came into a financial crisis, and they came into a financial situation. He lost his job, and guess what? It wasn't their friends that brought them back home. It wasn't their friends that brought them in a house. But it was my mom and my dad that welcomed them back into their home again. I mean, my mom and dad took my sister Rhonda and Dennis into the house and let them live upstairs and have their own place. They were there to support them. Right after, never seemed to fail. I'm not kidding you, Kevin. Right after Rhonda and Dennis left, guess who came knocking again? It was my second oldest sister, Gail. She came with her husband, Paul. And guess what they did? They moved in with mom and dad. And all through the life, I can see the circles of life, even in my own life. Rick and Donna, my own child, Rick and Donna, came and lived with us. Then after Rick and Donna lived with us, my, my daughter, Scott and Heidi, came and lived with us. We've had our kids live with us. But I'm, my point is, if we didn't have family, what would we have had? And I wonder sometimes how many of you are neglecting the family times that we should be having. Maybe you're taking it for granted. Maybe you're not seizing the moment. Maybe you're like the, the, the surfer, the surfer who misses the wave and wishes, and, and now you stand there saying, I woulda, coulda, shoulda. And always have the woulda, coulda, shouldas in your life when you should have seized the moment and you never took advantage of the opportunity to be with your family and now it's too late. And now you're holding a bag of regrets. I know that I used to do that and have that. That still sometimes in my life, I have the bag of regrets. You see, God created the family unit to grow together, 
to love together and to support one another. That's what God did. He created us to grow together, to love one another, and to support one another. Have you ever noticed that when Aaron and her were with Moses, Aaron and her's sole purpose was to lift up the arms of Moses, right? And whenever Moses' arms was lifted up, what was happening? He was winning the battle. How many remember friends that maybe were your friends when things were growing good? It's always you have a lot of friends when things were going good. When things, man, are going smooth, and man, you're happy, happy. Your friends are happy with you. They're in the same boat with you. But what happens when you get into a struggle? When you get into hardships, when you get into a crisis, where do those friends go when you're in that crisis? But who is there to pick you up or lift up your arms and help you win the battle? It's usually, the majority of the time, it's your family. It's your family that is there to lift up your arms and support you and to help you in your time of need. And so that's what was happening with Moses. Moses won because what? There were people there to lift up his arms. Your family are that. The family should be a place where you can relax and enjoy life together without outside pressure. You know why I put outside pressure there? Because, you know, one of the things that I've learned as a pastor that I see happen all the time, that why families can't relax and enjoy each other's company and have fun with each other is because of this. Here's the number one component of why there's so many struggles sometimes, Chris, within family units is this. There's so much competing against each other. Always competing against each other. Man, who's one up on the brother? Um, I'm one up on my sister. My house is bigger than theirs, and my car is better. Than and they're always competing against each other instead of enjoying each other's company and relaxing and having a safe time and a safe family union. You see, that's not a time to compete and be jealous with one another or jealous over one another, but it's a time to unify and come together and find support and love with one another. That is the great greatest gift other than Jesus that you can have is your family. You see, listen, do you, do you add to your family or do you take away from your family? What are you? Are you a taker? Are you always taking, taking, taking? Or are you investing, giving back towards your family? I always say, what you deposit now, you're going to make withdrawals later. Man, when my kids were growing up, buying their tennis shoes for college and high school, man, shoes are not cheap. $100, $110. Even if they get team shoes or even more, then they got to have two, two pairs of shoes. They can't have one. And if they get messed up, they got to get a new pair to compete and keep. Uh, man, and then you got to buy the uniforms, and you got to pay for the cheerleading uniform, and then the list goes on and on and on. I thought, man, I'm doing a lot of depositing right now. When am I going to make some withdrawals? Well, thank God, all my kids got good jobs, and they're paying it back. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> amen. I love it. My Christmas presents went from a matchbox car to a big car. Amen. Amen. But you know what? They, they invest, and they now they're starting investing back in me. So what you deposit now, you're going to get withdrawals later. So are you taking or are you giving? Are you a taker? And what happens is if you are prone to always taking, you're always going to be have expectations of receiving something. And sometimes you may not receive what you want from your family and maybe what you're expecting from your family. And because you don't get what you expect, 
expect and what you want. Your expectations are let down, and you get discouraged, you get depressed, and you get upset at your family because they didn't meet your emotional need. If you are always going into your family with an idea of expecting something instead of giving back something, guess what? You're going to be disappointed. You're going to be disappointed. You go into your family saying, God, I'm going to seize this moment. I'm not going to look to what I can gain, but I'm what I can give, how I can be a coach, how I can be a cheerleader, how I can be one that can encourage my family members on, how I can be that one that loves and accepts just as they are. You see, listen, always taken from the family and never given back. My three kids are crazy. And I learned my three kids as they were growing up. My son, Rick, he's 6'7". He was my tough neck. He, man, he was, he was a hard head, man. He was a stiff neck. He was stubborn. How many can relate to that? You may have kids like that. I mean, man, he was stubborn. Boy, he was stubborn. Man, he was my, if you want to call him my rebellious one. Amen? He was my rebellious one. And I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter if I tell it was black, he's going to tell me it's brown. I mean, he always had that attitude. No, it's not black, Dad. It's brown. Come on, son, it's black. No, Dad, he'll stand toe-to-toe with me. And I mean to tell you, he was always hard. But you know what? I've learned something about him, his personality. His personality was that you had to drive back at him. And so when I coached him through basketball, I could not just say, hey, Rick, you need to set the pick better. Rick, you need to box out. I had to be a little more aggressive in my approach to Rick. I had to understand his personality. I understand his character, who he was, and what he needed to motivate him. And so Rick, I had to be a little firmer with him. So when he, I was coaching him, I had to get on him. Rick! Get that rebound. And boy, you know, you could see the fire in his eyes. It would spark him up. Oh, man, my dad's fighting back. He's getting me. He's getting me challenging me. All right? But he was an adventurous kid. Man, we had to literally stop going on the mountains and taking mountain hikes on the mountains in Colorado when we lived there because he was so adventurous, he'd scare the fire out of us. So finally, we just had to entirely stop going on hikes in the mountains because he was so adventurous. And then there was CJ. CJ, man, he was humorous. If you get around my son, he can be a comedian. Matter of fact, he uh, just signed a contract to write three books, and he's going to be writing three books. And one of his things he wants to do is he wants to start doing stand-up comedy. I didn't know that he wanted to do this, but he just shared it with me a couple weeks ago. He said, Dad, I want to do a stand-up comedy. And my son CJ, he was hilarious. He was very humorous. Man, he was, he was one of those guys that can come in the room and always make you laugh. But knowing that he was fun and humorous, I also knew his personality. I also knew his character. I also knew his traits of what he was. He was soft. So when I coached him, I couldn't yell at him and tell him to box it out or pass the ball. But I had to take him individually, put my arm around him when I call a timeout, put my arm around him and say, son, I need you to stop running in the corner and be the point guard that you're supposed to be, stand up and take charge of the game. But I couldn't yell at him like I could my son Rick. Otherwise, I would damage him or crush his spirit. You see what I'm saying? My point is, then there was my daughter Heidi. She was very tender. She was very soft. If I looked at her cross-eyed, man, she'd start crying. And I mean to tell you, I had to really understand her personality. Heidi was very gentle, very tender, so I had to understand how to relate to her. The point of what I'm saying, that each one of you are created differently. Aren't you glad that we're not all clones? Aren't you glad that we're not like the Tower of Babel? And that the Tower of Babel, they were all in one language and all in one accord. And what happened? They were just all fighting. 
and they all had the same thing and the same gift and the same th and nobody was doing anything different, so they were arguing. God created the family unit so that you can be salt and I can be pepper, you can be spices, and you can be this, but we're all together and we created a family so that we can have a spice of life to each other in our family. Knowing that my son was a hardhead and knowing my other son was humorous and my daughter was tender, I had to understand that role. You see, listen, your brother, your sister may not be like you, but that's okay. The key to this is that you've got to learn to understand how to get along with them and how to relate to them and don't expect them to be like you. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. And we want them all the time. There's always going to be challenges in families. I mean, that's true. There's always going to be challenges in families, but don't hold grudges, unforgiveness, or bitterness. You need to let them go. Let them go. You, how many of you know that's true? You know, I just did a funeral for D-Nack on Friday, and it brought back this story, but I did a, I did a funeral for D-Nack on Friday, and it was a great service, and, and I'll tell you, D and their family were all here, and probably about 130 people here Friday, but it brought back memories about a family that I did a funeral in Grand Junction, Colorado, and I'll never forget this. This family, again, was a large family. They had eight people in their family, and so their father passed away, and the lady that attended our church came with two other of her siblings. And I said to the lady of our church, I said, hey, uh, don't you have uh, other siblings? And they said, uh, they're not coming. And I, I said, uh, what, what, do you, what do you mean they're not coming? And she began to go in detail about the family unit and the grudges and the bitterness and the unforgiveness and the anger that was there within that family. And even as I'm getting ready to prepare for the funeral, one of the, the brothers of this lady that went to our church called me on the phone the day before the funeral and literally screamed at me and ranked me over the coals, telling me, how dare you do my father's funeral, blah, 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 in choice words. And I didn't even know some of those words were in the dictionary. And uh, he began to just tell me these words. And I, and I thought, what in the world? So I went back to this lady and I called her and said, uh, hey, can you, can you explain what, what's going on? And she went into detail about the grudges and things that were holding within the family unit. And because of that, they were separated, they were ripped apart, and there was never no unity, there was no uh, cohesiveness, there was no cooperation with them. So you know what we did? We did the funeral that Friday, and we did the funeral, I did the funeral, and there was a lot of people there. But no kidding, I promise you, within the hour, they came and got the body, and they took the body, the same body that we just did a funeral for, because of the grudges and the unforgiveness that they had towards each other, they took the body, moved it four miles down the road, and went to another church, and the rest of the family had another service. Because they couldn't get along. And I wonder sometimes... What grudge are you holding on to? What has really got you upset? The question is to you, is it really worth it? Is it really worth it? You know, my daughter, she, um, she loves these wooden plaque things, you know, like we have outside, out in the foyer there. And all through her house, she has wooden things that she has made. She has one, it is well with my soul. She has another one that's a wooden plaque that says, how great thou art. But then I, when I walk downstairs, she has one down in her living room downstairs that says, live, love, and laugh. 
And many of you know that. How many know what I'm talking about? Maybe you still have it in your house. That was a big thing that was going on for a long time, live, love, and laugh. So I, I wrote this message concerning the three L principles of the family, live, love, and laugh. Number one is live, obviously. Live. Growing up, I had six sisters. I had six sisters and my brother, and, man, we, we were poor. We lived in, in a rough neighborhood, and we had one bathroom. But we had to learn to live together. We had to learn to live together. How many of you are like me? I don't know what it is. During the day, I'm cool. I'm cool. But at nighttime, maybe you're the same as me. At nighttime, I kid you not, I think the Lord tricks me. At nighttime, it never seems to fail. I always have a squirrel bladder. I mean to tell you, I can be sound asleep, and I'll get up four times a night. And during the whole course of the day, I never go. I'm like, and you know what? Have six sisters and a brother and try to go to the bathroom at night with one bathroom. You're standing in line sleepwalking. Are you done yet? Almost. And we would have to exchange the bathroom all through the night. But we had to cooperate together. You have to live together. How many wish that you were the same way you were when you were in high school? I'm talking size-wise. Amen? Do you remember that day? You changed. Why? Because you grew. What is life? Life is growing. And in growing, it means expanding. It means stretching. It means reaching up and going forward. That's what life is. And life as a family is the same way. I wish to God that, man, I could control my three kids. Now they're adults and they control me. Somebody say amen. You know what I'm talking about. They tell me what to do. Dad, jump. I say, oh, hi. I say, what happened to that role? That don't work. Some of you are saying my kid's five years old and tell me to do that. But you know what I'm saying? We, they grow. But that's what life is. Life means adapting to the changes that take place in your life. Do you know that when Cheryl and I were pastoring in Grand Junction, Colorado, our kids are three years apart, exactly. So all of a sudden, what happens? Rick leaves. It wasn't so bad. Rick left, and we still got CJ and Heidi around. And next year, CJ leaves. Wow, it's going to be an empty nest, man. I'm telling you. It'll kind of dry, kind of. And all of a sudden, Heidi left. And Cheryl and I, I'll never forget this. I'll never forget this. Cheryl and I looked at each other, and you know what we said? This is no kidding. At least I promise you. We looked at each other in our home in Grand Junction, Colorado, the 424 Ian Court. We stood at each other, and we said, now what do we do? We were at a crossroads in our lives. Our whole life was investing in our kids, and now all of them are gone. And you know what Cheryl and I did? We said, now it's time to live again. And we had to learn to adapt to the changes. And that's what life is. You had to adapt to the growth of you. You went from the 32 slim, feeling mad. Then you went to deep and wide, deep and wide. Right? Things changed. You see, there are challenges living together, growing together, learning to give each other space, learning to give each other space. Now watch this. Allowing them to find themselves. Allowing them define themselves. A lot of times we want them to be 
who we want them to be. And that's what brings a lot of frustration to families because we want them to be who we want them to be. I remember when I was coaching, and I'd coach all these young boys and these young kids, and I would coach them, and these parents would be, man, sometimes parents can be brutal, and I was one of them. And they can be brutal, and they can yell at you as a coach and everything. But I've learned something along the way in coaching. I coached for eight years, and, and I, I learned something, and that was this, that the dads, the dads saw their son and they saw themselves in their son. And they wanted their son to be like they were in sports. And so because maybe they didn't excel as good as the dad did, the dad would get so mad. And I literally, during, kid you not, during a timeout or even during the game, the dad would be going crazy. And I had to walk away from the bench and walk up to the dad and say, hey, listen, listen. It's okay, Jamie. Your son is playing all right. If I need to correct him, I'll correct him. He turned as white as a sheet. And the reason why, he wanted to be him. And his dad was trying to live out his life through his son instead of letting his son be himself. And there was such a friction there. There was such, man, this fighting and a man, dissension. And that, that, that dad turned as white as a sheet. And First Peter, we need to move real quickly. First Peter 1, he says, This is you greatly rejoice, even though now, a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed with various trials. So you're going to go through trials. So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire. Some of you are under fire, Amen. My kids, man, they're driving me crazy. My family, my mom, my dad, they're driving me crazy. Kids, you may think your mom and dad driving you crazy, but you may be driving them crazy too. Works both ways, amen? They're driving me crazy. But listen, it says this. It says, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So what is it? We let our light shine. Some of the greatest testings of your faith deals with family and the issues that you may go through. How true is that? What are, the fam what are the ones that hurt you the most? Isn't it usually the ones that are closest to you? They're usually the ones that are closest to you. You know why they, they know that they hurt you? It's because they know that you'll come back to them. They're going to love you through their pain. That You're going to love them through. They're the ones that are going to hurt you the most because they know that you're going to accept them. You're not going to abandon them. You're not going to run from them. Amen? Two is this, love. Love is the bond that holds families together. When storms come, and they will come, love covers over a multitude of sin. Love beyond, looks beyond the sin and loves the sinner, right? Love, love is the bond. Well, love is what family members need when faced with problems, struggles, and issues. Love, God, I'm going to love them. I may not love them right now. I'll tell you, there are times in my life, man, I, hey, guys, I'm going to be transparent with you. I love my wife to pieces. I love my wife to pieces, but there are times My wife's not here. I can say that. Amen. But you know what I'm saying? Wives, you love your husband to pieces, but there are times. Right? You feel like it. You get upset, but you never lose that because there is inside of you, deep down inside, there really is love. There really is that. Here comes my pooky woman now. She must have heard me. <laughs> right? Listen, I'm not going to read the scriptures, but it's on the screen but in Luke 15, 1 through 24, you know what that story is? 
It's the story about the prodigal son. How many know that it doesn't, it never seems to fail? Never seems to fail that every family seems to have a black sheep in the family. What I mean by that, one that goes wayward, one that goes through struggles, one that causes pain to mom and dad, one that causes a struggle, one that has issues, never seems to fail. How many can relate to what I'm talking about? You know what I'm saying? And that one that seems to cause problems, it not only hurts them, but it hurts mom and dad. Because you see mom and dad get hurt, what happens? Then you get hurt, right? Then you get hurt. Well, here was the story of the prodigal son. You know, Luke 15, 1 through 24, talks about that. The prodigal son was in a great place, man. He lacked nothing. But what he did, he wanted his what? His inheritance from his dad, and he went out and squandered it, the Bible says. He got so low in his life, so low in his life, that you can read the verses, that he ended up eating with the pigs. Now, that's pretty low, right? That's pretty low. He gave up everything. He lost all his wealth, lost everything. That's pretty low. But you know what? The father, the father really had the right, if you think about it, really had the right to really get on his son, to get mad at his son, to throw rocks at his son, to disgrace his son. But you know what? If you read those verses, when the father saw his son appearing on the horizon, did the father go into the community and say, lock the doors, keep them out. I don't want them. I just own them. You know what the father did? He looked beyond his fault, and he saw his heart. And the Bible said when he saw him on the horizon, he ran to him. He ran to him, and he accepted him back in. Because why? Love covers over a multitude of sin. And he didn't say this, that, and the other thing. But so many times what happens when a family member messes up, what we want to do is we want to scold instead of love. We want to hit instead of embrace. But that's what not Jesus did. He showed us the story that embrace love. And if you know the story, what happened from that story, because of the father loving and accepting back the prodigal son, look what happened in Matthew, uh, Luke 15, 28 through 32. What happened in those verses? It's the story of the older son. What happened with the older son? He was mad. How dare you do that? You gave them all your inheritance. You now accept them back. What's the matter with you, Dad? Are you crazy? What's wrong with you? You're nuts. He was mad. Why? Because he couldn't love like the Father. And sometimes in our lives, are you the one that's yelling? Are you the one that's creating the problem? Are you the one that's mad? A lot of times we do things because why? We're jealous. We're upset. We're angry. We're about little things that we shouldn't be angry about. My little sister... Go ahead, Jeremiah, if you want. My little sister, Angela, she was my half-sister. She was from my second father. My little sister, Angela, was our black sheep. I kid you not, Rachel. She really was. I love my sister, Angela, but Angela caused huge pain in our family. She got involved with relationships that were just a mess. She had three illegitimate children out of wedlock. She was, man, just in bad, bad relationships, Kevin, always doing crazy things, just really crazy stuff. She was kicked out of apartment after apartment, did crazy things she should have never done, caused my mom great, great pain. But one day, I received a call while I was pastoring in Grand Junction, Colorado. I received this call. It was my mom on the other line, and she's crying, just crying. I said, Mom, I said, what, what's wrong? I said, what, what, what's going on? She said, it's Angela. And I said, what, what's going on with Angie? What, what, Mom? She said, can you help her? 
And I said, what do you mean can I help her? She said, CJ, remember I told you a few weeks ago she ran away and nobody knew where she's at. She said, we found her. I said, what do you mean you found her? Yeah, she's in Pittsburgh. What do you mean she's in Pittsburgh? She ran off to Pittsburgh with this guy and took her kids, her three kids. While she was in Pittsburgh, guys, listen to this. She was in a protective custody right now. The guy that she ran off with literally beat her from head to toe and her kids, head to toe. She was in protective custody. My mom's crying. She said, son, can you help me call some of your pastor friends that you may know in Pittsburgh? Can you, can you help us? So Cheryl and I got on the phone and we called some of our friends. We said, hey, I, I, I need you to help out my sister. She's in this home. and Can you help her? Can you, can you help her? These pastors went over and they got protective custody of her and they took her and they took her in. And they got her on the train, and they made sure that, man, that she was protected and taken care of. And they got her on the train. They took care of her kids and paid their expenses to get home. You know, my mom had a choice. She caused a lot of pain in our family. My mom had a choice. But when Angela came through the doors, my mom didn't scold her, say, you numbskull, you loser. I'll never forget, Angie was beat. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, she seen Andy. wasn't a good sight. My little sister was only about that high. And she was beat. Bad. And I say, ah, I can't even get that out of my, my mind. It was so bad. But my mom took her in and loved her. And she said, Angie, we're going to love you through this. She took her into the home and took her three kids, and we nurtured them. My sister accepted Jesus. She didn't turn it around. My sister, man, got so strong for God that my mom, just before she passed, my sister was in bad, bad, bad. My mom asked her to do one thing. She said, Angie, will you promise me this? When I die, which my mom passed, she said, will you do me a favor? Will you please go to college and get your degree in nursing? Well, my little sister, the black sheep, went on to college and graduated with her nursing certificate. And she turned her life around, completely turned her life around, knew Jesus. And about three years ago, my sister, who was the black sheep, a year ago, because that's how much I know, a year ago, she passed on and went to be with the Lord. But it was all because of love. I'm going to tell you something. What offense are you holding on to? You see, Laugh. Learn to laugh with your family. Don't allow offenses and little things to steal your, from your family. It's the little things that the enemy likes. Laugh at the memories. Look at old pictures of your, and your family growing up. It'll make you laugh in your family. It'll make you laugh. I want you to check out this picture. Do we have it? I want you to tell me who this picture is. Do we got that picture? Tell me who that is. Isn't that funny?
Give me a guess who that is. Somebody tell me who that is. I want you to. Huh? Nope. Nope. That is Lisa. Stand up, Lisa, so people can see the difference. That is, that is Lisa. Look at that. She got that cigarette in her mouth. But you see how you can laugh? You can laugh. I was reading about the California fires and how the people were losing all their possessions and everything. But you know what the number one thing that people were taking from their homes? It wasn't just their money or their guns. But the number one thing that people were taking from their homes, you can read it yourself. You know what it was? Pictures. Because you can never replace the past or never even place the memories. And you can never replace family time. You can never replace that. That is one of the greatest presents you can receive, this present. So I challenge you to do this. Seize the moment. Don't make excuses and have the bag of regrets like I did by not going to see my mom or my dad or my mother-in-law and father-in-law. Now I carry a bag of regrets. Seize the moment this season. Make the most of the opportunities to be with your family because that's one of the greatest presents you get that will last longer than eight seconds. Will you stand with me? Today, I'm not going to have you come forward, I promise you. I'm not going to call you out by name. But I would say, if there's anyone here today that say, Pastor, I, I need prayer today. I, I hold it on to unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness towards my family. I, I, I need to let go of these offenses. This morning's service, we had over 30 people, over 30 people that said, Pastor, I need to let go. I need to let go. So I want you to bow your heads. Please, no one looking around. Be very respectful. And I'm not going to call you forward, but I just want to pray. And I'm not going to call out your name, but you say, Pastor, I need prayer. I need to let go of some resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness. That's you. Just lift your hands. Already hands are going up. Look at this. Wow. All through this congregation. Look at this. Wow. Anymore. I'm count to three. Don't miss this opportunity. Don't leave the same way you came. Yes, they're still going up. Still going up. Anyone else? Two. Anyone else? Yes, another one still going up. Still going up. Look at another one going up. Anyone else this morning? Say, Pastor, pray for me. Another one. Just look at that. Still going up. People say, wow. Anyone else? Yes, I see it in the back. Thank you. You may put it down. Father, thank you for the many hands that were raised today. We all have some family issues one way or another. We always have that one that always creates issues in our family. But, Father, I pray that we, we as a church, will rise up and be the bigger person and be the bigger person that will seek out forgiveness, that will let go of the grudges and the offenses, that we won't be like that family in Colorado that has to do two funerals because they couldn't get together to celebrate the life of their dad. I pray that we'll bury the hatchet that we'll bury these things, Lord, and that we'll move on and seize the moment because sooner or later we'll miss the opportunity to be once again with all our family members. I pray that this holiday season that the greatest present is you, but then it's family. And I pray that, God, that you will bless each household here today. 
Bless each household. I speak that over their lives today, that you would bless them, bless their mom and dad, their brothers and sisters, that this will be the greatest season ever. We thank you, Father, for those that raise their hand that are honest with you and letting go of that. Bless them and be with them. And we thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Let's give the Lord praise this morning. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. We are heading into the busy holiday season, and we have a ton of things planned for you. If you don't want to miss out, make sure you follow us on Facebook, download our new app, or visit our website www.adventurechurchsiren.com